everyone. Welcome to another CJ and the Duke. As always, I am Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey CJ Wesley. And today we are talking about the topic that never stops. Configuration versus customization. And we brought in a very special guest, ServiceNow Dev MVP, Community MVP alumnus, part of the GlideFast Consulting Huge Talent crew, Travis T-Dubs Tolson. Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on here. Really excited to jump into this one. Yeah, we'll post in the links. Travis has already done uh, talks on this extensively, configuration versus customization. So we'll put that in the links as well. But hopefully we bring something new and informative to y'all. Travis, before we get started, I've heard you got a new battle station. Tell us about that thing, man. <laughs> yeah, so I just recently had a lot of help from the guys at GlideFast on building my new rig. So I upgraded from a 15 inch laptop that I used to be hunched over and I got picked on remorselessly for it. Now I've got dual 32 inch monitors, Ryzen 7, massive rig over there. I couldn't put oh, it yeah. together myself, so I had to get help. <laughs> oh, you should have left that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations on that thing, man. It sounds like a beast. Making me wish this was on video. Uh, okay, there is a lot of conversation about configuration versus customization in the industry. And I think the conversation keeps churning because not everybody's on the same page with what these words even mean. So we've all been in deep arguments about config versus customizations with other partners or customers. So let's talk about what these mean. And we'll start with you, Trap. Yes, for me, I have always gone back to in my talks, ServiceNow's knowledge article on it. So from that definition, which is always evolving, but the current definition of the customization from their standpoint is that it's any change to code that is part of the baseline install. And they give a number of different examples, a requirement to add additional fields to the catalog checkout page, the editing UI macros, but also basically any new quote custom feature in the product. So custom application, third-party service portal, widget. All that stuff, according to the knowledge article anyway, is considered a customization and then everything else is configuration. So it sounds like to me, basically anything you do in a product <laughs> is a customization. <laughs> Maybe not quite that broad, but that's a definitely an expansive list. When I think about customization uh, versus configuration, and it's really more when my clients talk to me about customization versus configuration, because I don't necessarily care all that much about how I solve the problem as long as I do and it doesn't cost them money. And we don't incur technical debt. So that's my definition of customization versus configuration. I want to make sure that I implement a solution that doesn't incur technical debt, that doesn't cost the client money, and is going to ensure successful upgrades. That is completely off script from the ServiceNow definition, but it's just my practice, unless I'm actually having an internet argument about it, and in which case, you know. <laughs> Man, I always struggle to find good definitions. I haven't settled on one, and I embrace the gray area, because it seems to me that the client's want to view the world as configurations are not optional versus customizations are optional. I can choose not to customize, but my configurations are things that I'm going to need to do. I'm going to need to change the nature of the notifications. I'm going to need to change the category tree. Those aren't optional. And then the customizations are stuff that I can choose not to do. And then even by ServiceNow's definition, there's clearly not optional areas in customization. Right. If you want to have your own brand identity on your own service portal for self-service, you're going to put yourself into configuration land. It's not optional. So you can't arbitrarily say, we don't do customization. It doesn't work out black and white that way. 
they're naturally gray areas and there's stuff that you would naturally think are configurational will fall into ServiceNow's definition of customization. If I change the dashboard for PA, am I customizing? Yes, you are. So it's not as simple as say, don't customize. But in saying that, I lack a good definition for config versus custom. I don't even like having a definition for configuration and customization. I just look at it as risk. Anything you do in the system is going to have risk because a lot of times we like to use the don't do that. That's customization and it's a, that's too risky scare tactics sort of thing. And it, it doesn't feel like it aligns with the way we should be talking about it, which is this is the risk. This is the return you could potentially get by taking that risk. I think that's inherently what the client is really asking for when they say configuration versus customization. If I do this, will something break in the future? Put that on the scale and tell me what number I sit on on that one to 10. And then I'll decide whether or not the value that I'm getting is worth that risk. I think that's the perspective we hope our customers take, but there's clearly a stigma in the market. The orthodoxy is don't customize, only configure. It goes yeah. out of the box. And Corey and I have this idea of the myth of out of box because you customize your PA dashboard, you customize your service portal, you're not out of box anymore. So let's explore why there is a stigma. Why would yeah. people think I shouldn't be customizing? I'll start with the obvious Z-boot. <laughs> the, the fear is that I'm going to turn around and invest a bunch of money to implement. And then a year down the road, I'm going to invest a bunch of money to re-implement everything that broke, which is a perfectly legitimate concern. Uh, some of the wild, wild west days. And I think those mistakes and the cost associated with those mistakes leads to a, a fear that there. And certainly from ServiceNow's perspective of folks coming out and being like, this didn't work, so we're going to go with something else. And ServiceNow loses a customer because right. of customization. Now yeah. they're incentivized to say no as well. Mm. So let's explore that one a little bit more, because I find that that is one of the more important things on the scale. There was a bad implementation that caused that customer to have to either re-implement a significant process or Z-boot the entire instance, right? And start over from scratch. And from the perspective of ServiceNow, that is a really bad thing. That's when it's all hands on deck. They're sending in the SWAT team and they're trying to save that account. So I can get that how the guidance kind of evolves to tell all the partners, you want to configure, you don't want to customize, reinforce to the customer, you want configuration, you don't want customization. It's just easier if everyone colors inside the lines. The problem comes when the lines are both too narrow to color inside of, but also too wide, right? So expensive that no matter what you do, it's, it's going to fall in there and kind of squiggly all around. Yeah. Well, and to some extent, they're bashing a square peg through a round hole. We've already yeah. established that the definitions don't lend themselves to a binary world of this exactly. configuration, yeah. this is customization. So in trying to stay safe, they're encountering that gray area. Well, that's one of the things that I hear from customers quite often. It's been, the instance been customized all the heck, and now we're stuck and we don't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm just going to go with whatever basic service desk off the shelf that doesn't require a whole lot of customization. So to me, this is a second order consequence of two different dynamics in the space. I'm going to catch so much shit for saying this, but I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Okay, so this is nobody's fault. I'm going to say that up front. It's nobody's fault. ServiceNow came out of nowhere, grew explosively. Nobody had any choice but to just grab people. It's like, do you know that the ServiceNow product exists? Yes, great. You're a senior consultant now. 
And so right. like there is just <laughs> there's almost two generations worth of people who don't have a ton of experience on the platform want to do the right thing going into customers and saying, is that what you want? Oh yeah, totally. This can, this product can do it. No problem. Let me show you how awesome this product is. Customize, oh, customize, customize, like the dangerous customizations, right? Uh, yep. Build fast, but not necessarily smart. Yeah. So we've got that having a second order consequence. Like that didn't work quite as well as we thought. <laughs> it blew up in our face. <laughs> the other second order consequence is that everybody put your choir robes on. Nobody documents shit. And we have too many vendors who are like, documentation is hard. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Preach to him, dude. Preach to him. You know what I mean? Hey, maybe the customer actually needed that. And maybe you built something awesome. But you know what? Three years later, after that dev moved on, the dev yeah. on the partner side that built it and the dev on the customer side who maintained it, they're all gone and they hired some junior resource to come in and it's like, what the heck is this? JavaScript and crap. I don't know what this yeah. is. Script includes. Yep. And Script then includes. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> it all goes away. And then they're like, oh, we learned our lesson. We're never going to customize again. I mean, it's second order consequences from just like, okay, listen, if there is a little bit more thought and design going in, and if there's a little bit more thought on fucking handoff, yeah. maybe this would have survived and you wouldn't be sitting here all butthurt about the fact that your instance blew up. Yeah. And the handoffs are the hardest part, whether that's from partner to partner, whether that's from service now sales to partner. Every time there's a handoff, going back to your point of lack of documentation, Robert, anytime there's that handoff, there's a difference in, hey, this is what they want. And then the guys receiving it are like, okay, I kind of see that, but I kind of also see this other thing over here. Yeah. And, you know, the story just kind of changes and you end up implementing some of A, some of B, some of C. You end up in those, oh God, we've got three different variations on the same concept, all in the same instance next to each other. What happened? Right. Yeah, like four different versions of incident management. And you didn't realize it until just now. I've been in a situation where you parachute in and there are 17 different versions of a task that could easily just be a different category or something else that is basically a different state or a different attribute or something like that. But because there are 15 different groups who want to have their own version, you now have all of this customization around separate tasks and things like that, that just spiral out of control. Like nobody knows what's going on anymore. And, you know, trying to unwind that stuff, both politically and technically are where you're going to face a lot of problems. So clearly there's three ServiceNow experts on here, two ServiceNow experts and one loudmouth swearing guy. <laughs> <laughs> on this call saying that hey listen it's not as simple as configuration versus customization there's huge gray areas there's reasons why people believe that customization is bad even though there's explanations for why that might exist but let's talk about scenarios where customization is a good thing yeah i mean there are plenty of scenarios where customization is a good thing and it really comes down to the value that the particular customer 
customization brings to the table. I did some work with a university once upon a time where uh, this was a point at which ServiceNow's accessibility just was not up to par yet. And there were legal ramifications if the university did not meet those accessibility requirements. I mean, they could get sued for not meeting. So there was a huge, huge negative cost associated with not customizing. And so we ended up developing a custom portal solution. This was pre-service portal, and it was humorously enough Angular JS based, but it ended up <laughs> fulfilling. <laughs> That was actually how I ended up getting a chance to meet Nathan Firth because they had him come in and review my work. <laughs> hey, no pressure, right? <laughs> right? right. The right. guy no who pressure. invented it is going to review your work. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. It's like, nope, nope, not worthy. Not worthy. <laughs> I, I changed my mind. We're going we're gonna to customize in a different direction. <laughs> We're going to do this in batch script and DOS, man. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, and they ended up using that for years to come, but it was built in a way that it was dependent only on Glide Record. It wasn't going to break uh, from other upgrades. And that's really the key, is to not incur technical debt while you're customizing the instance. To right. build out in a way that's sensible and that's future-proof, at least as far out as you can see. But by de being dependent only on Glide Record, right, you really limit that dependency to a fundamental aspect of ServiceNow. And, you know, if they break Glide record, well, so many things in the instance break. So it's unlikely that your customization breaks because it's unlikely that they break the dependency. So I completely agree with you. I think that it should be a model that folks should think about. How likely are they to be deprecated or modified in such a way as to break my customization? I feel like there's certain process areas where you're going to encounter the urge to customize a lot more than others. So take a younger process like ITBM. They're competing against Microsoft Project that's been around for, you know, what, like... Aeons. You know, you can, have, <laughs> you can have intelligent conversations with adults who were born after Microsoft Project was... <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, you're going after that. So I had a customer who a lot of their project labor came from a third-party provider. We just need consultants. Get us consultants. Here they come. And their time cards would integrate into their payment systems. So every month they would need to know is the amount our third-party provider charging us match up with the, what the people entered in time that month. Now, pre-Orlando, what's wrong with that sentence? The idea that time cards can be measured in months because oh, these, okay. they, they came <laughs> in like it's a time card for a week, and the week is like Monday, Tuesday, oh, Wednesday, Thursday, right. Friday, Saturday. Not Crap. a date, a day. You're right. Not a date. That's right. A day. You're right. Okay, so what do we do? Maybe we build a stupid interface where somebody can only submit when a month spans two weeks. You have to get them to submit two time cards in a week. Dumb. Hey, I've I, I used an interface like that. I have too. I hated it. And you did too. True. But in that circumstance, like, what are you going to tell them? No, no, no. Stay out of box and don't check your monthly. Like, what? <laughs> like, don't reconcile your monthly labor spend. Just go out of box. No. 
in that case, you have to customize because it's more important to your business that they have that one thing than to not. Like your business will literally, you're fired. If you're not going to build this, you're fired. Everybody's fired, especially you. But (laughs) (laughs) so that might be a good litmus test is if heads are going to roll, if this isn't in, in this very special way, then that might be something that can justifiably be customized. Yeah, that's a really good point. If it absolutely needs to happen, and if it doesn't happen, somebody's going to get fired and somebody else is going to get brought in to make it happen, probably want to do the customization, right? Damn the consequences, because you know what the consequences are already. So talking about the experiences that really informed the decision-making around configuration and customization. How about we talk about what happens when a customization goes bad? I was working on a customization for the attachment table for a customer, and they were, we were doing a bi-directional sync with Jira, and they wanted something very specific in the way that the attachments were handled and pushed up to Jira, and the code that I wrote was FUBART, and that's my bad, and set off a scheduled job to kind of sync what was already there. And this is about four days before go live, mind you. We're really up against the wall here. We shouldn't have been doing this anyway, but we were. You know, get in and I look at the instance and all of a sudden there are no attachments in the instance. None. And what do you do then? So to me, that's one of those situations where the customization was definitely warranted. There was a lot of business value and having that sync, we probably didn't need to do it exactly the way the customer wanted it done, but we needed to do the bi-directional sync. But the way, because my code was screwed and because we were four days before go live, right? It's, it's you know, doubly a situation where you don't necessarily want to do it. Now we're screwed. And so what do you do? So we ended up recovering. But the point is, is that had that been a configuration, had we just been doing something that's tip- that's really normal, closer to out of the box, that doesn't happen. And I don't waste a day recovering all of their attachment data. What kind of ex- experiences like that have you guys run into? I walked into a job one time in the hospitality space and the corporate culture for the ServiceNow instance was we treat our requesters the exact same as we treat our customers. So they tell us to jump and we ask how high and you don't question what they want, right? They expressed it to you, build it exactly that way and as fast as you can. And four years of that and the system was inoperable. We're talking about like literally a 40 hour week to add a new group. All the nightmare scenarios you can imagine packed into one place. And so that's what informed me about, hey, be careful what you build. Really careful about what you build. I had a nasty habit early on of messing around with different jelly files and such. Oh Uh, no, not jelly. So (laughs) jelly was kind of how I got on the scene early on was because for some reason jelly made sense to me. And so I did a number of customizations regarding knowledge base, knowledge article, that sort of thing. And you want to talk about absolute dumpster fire when knowledge v3 came around and they couldn't knowledge v3 all oh man i had yeah there's a big difference between being good at writing jelly and being good at reading and troubleshooting jelly It took a little while to undo the damage on that one. And I had a similar issue with catalog as well. And to this day is why I refuse to touch any of the service catalog widgets (laughs) in service (laughs) portal. 
people are like, we want to customize the deform widget. No, no, under no circumstances. <laughs> you know Amen what? Amen to that. <laughs> this might be a great opportunity to go to the other side of the spectrum. So we know that there's places where it's incredibly valuable to customize, but we know there's also a big stigma. So can we give people good rules of thumb? A couple of the rules that I follow, first one is every record has one owner. If ServiceNow owns it, don't touch it. It ain't yours. This especially applies in larger enterprise instances where you have multiple consultancies all engaging with one another in a common environment. One owner per record. When you have multiple people that own a record, that's when you start creating collisions. That's when customizations start to get ugly. Another of the rules that I have is prefer creating new to updating existing. Uh, folks that want to change the state model, yes, can change the existing state model, but what if ServiceNow creates something tied to that state model in the future that you really want, and now you have to go back and figure out how to do it? I will hide the state field. I will create a new customer-specific state field and then use a business rule to map this customer state to this ServiceNow state, and now you have a line of separation between ServiceNow and customer. I love the idea to one owner per record of ServiceNow owns it, you don't own it. I always evangelize. We're going to do a certain stay on this record and you're going to turn the old one off. Now it's our record. So I'm totally with you. That makes so much sense. Another rule of thumb I have is clearly there's objects in ServiceNow that are built to build. Business rules are a building block. Uh, script includes are a building block. They wouldn't be there if they weren't intended to build. It's when you want to change the nature of a building block. If you're ever in the spot where you want to add a property to the business rules table, like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's pump the brakes on that one a little bit. I guess in portal, there's even more nuance there, but don't modify or break the object. Don't extend the business rules table. Don't break the building blocks. Yeah, don't modify the objects that you work with. Oh, and here, here's one that I absolutely draw a line in the sand on. Do not modify out-of-box workflows, right? Mm -hmm. Always copy those suckers. Mm -hmm. do, do people actually do that? Yes. Yes, they do. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I've encountered it. I've dropped into a project in progress, and someone's got the out-of-box change workflow, and the thing looks like a Visio diagram gone wrong. And... Uh, right and what what do you do what like it's like oh. yeah so don't do that don't, don't, that yeah don't i agree do don't do that <laughs> don't do that <laughs> i know i'm fairly strange in this space on this one i love scoped applications i think scoped applications are one of the greatest things to have ever been added to service now because every time it pops up and says you're in the wrong scope i think that warning should say you're customizing something that isn't yours yeah okay no you know, i agree if you create a scope app and that is your ownership and you are working in that scope app the only issues you can possibly run into are boundary issues, issues where there's a handoff between an outside script and your script, the integration point, essentially. And so I love scoped applications for that reason. And even with base configuration stuff, I still love putting that stuff in scoped applications when the licensing and rules and hominus dominuses and all, all the stars align. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it again. There, there's some things, they're built the way they're built. They had to be built that way. 
maybe it wasn't the best decision to build it that way. But if I only knew what composed this app, I could go in and modify it. I could refactor it a lot easier. So again, I'm going to say handoff documentation for exotic solutions should be a given. Yeah. 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 Agree. Let me tell you what I don't like. And it happens so often. And it's the gateway to scope creeps. It's that slippery slope. I'm just going to put a checkbox on this form for this one specific thing oh, that this client God. is requesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just one time. <laughs> just, just, wait, just this one time. <laughs> oh. We we got this process. We got the stakeholder. They just want to check a box to denote that they've done their part. That's it. We can do that, right? It's just one checkbox. Oh, it's like in slow motion. Later, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. The next thing you know, you got a tab that's devoted only to checkboxes, and oh, all of gosh. them start with you underscore. And you later on find out that they were all part of the same state selection. So now you're implementing a bunch of client scripts to toggle this checkbox off when this one's selected. Yes. Well, that's a great rule of thumb too. Are you adding a property? Is that property kind of globally applicable? Or is it the fastest way to scratch an itch that you think you have? One of my call me when you need me customers, they haven't got ITBM fully deployed. They're going through this epic upgrade for a smaller company that they acquired. And we need to have our eyes on any incidents or catalog requests or change controls that have anything to do with the epic upgrade for this M&A activity. And I'm just thinking, let's rewind 12 years and think about some resource that got pulled off the street. How are you going to do it, man? You'll just put a checkbox on the incident catalog and change force. <laughs> like, does this have anything to do with this one project that's going to last three months? And then what happens yep. after those three months? Eh, I don't know. I'm not going to be here. Checkbox will stay. I did this. My first experience with ServiceNow, what we had a checkbox for was this migration related. And that checkbox was relevant for about eight months. It was never used again, but it stayed there for five years. I think that actually highlights another good rule of thumb here is that the, whatever you want to call it, configuration, customization, if you're getting ready to make a change in the system, stop and think. Creating something is easy. Undoing what you've done later almost never happens. And when it does happen, it's 10 times more painful than mask. it was creating it in the first place. So stop and think about it. Make sure you've got the right design before you move forward with it. Yeah. So Travis, based on your obvious affinity for this topic, what would be the advice that you'd give to someone who's struggling with your configuration versus customization? The advice I would give someone is build for value tomorrow. If you're building something for today, stop, think about it. What's that gonna look like tomorrow? Personally, I like to say that I like to be able to get out of trouble faster than I got into it. <laughs> and that's really how you should approach the configuration versus customization question. I like that. All right, we are at time, folks. Thanks again for watching. As always, I am Robert the Duke Fedoric. I am Corey C.J. Wesley. And again, special thanks to our special, special guest, Travis T-Dubs Tolson. T-Dubs! T-Dubs. Oh, no. <laughs> I would have said double T, but... <laughs> and we're out. Thanks All a right. lot, folks. Thanks, everybody. Good night. <laughs>